thanks for uh this is this will be a lot of fun i hope so i'm sure it will i i, <laughs> I don't doubt that i won't but um all right well beginning in three two one Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the, oh my God, <laughs> I almost said the Pod Dodgecast. Uh, well, let's just, Pod the Pod Dodgecast, the, the Wad Pod, Pod. What, what am I doing here? Uh, we're going to keep it. Uh, Alfred, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And um, I mean, let's, let's, we already kind of discussed that there's no time constraints. So if there is uh, some OG rabbit holes to go down, happy to do it with you, man. But um First and foremost, so you're on Facebook as Alfred Wu, and I felt like you yes. you felt the need to make sure I knew it was Quan, even though I've, <laughs> I've always referred to you as Dr. Quan. I don't know if that's just a me thing or if I picked that up from somebody, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always feel a little pretentious out and outside of the clinic telling anybody, my name's Dr. Quan. Uh, you know, Al simple Alfred will do, but, uh, you know, in public, you know, you just typically introduce yourself with your first name, right? So... When people look me up or or they just figure my name out through Facebook, a lot of people recently have actually been calling me Woo, which is just not correct. But uh, you know, just the whole typical trying to avoid patients being able to easily find me on Facebook. Because I have had that. I've had patients look me up and actually send me friend requests, which is always a little awkward. Yeah, I mean, but I just ignore them. Do they? Um... Like, do they connect with you or they like want to harass you, want to ask you for second-hand <laughs> advice or all the above? Or, um, in the rare instances that it's happened, uh, I think the patient's just been a little, a little strange, not so much a connection, maybe a real connection, but maybe, maybe they felt a little connection. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's, it's always a little uncomfortable. Um, and there's not really an actual <laughs> true connection there or like a need. I get that, man. Um, right, exactly. Well, that's cool. I mean, I don't know if I would hide the doctor piece. Um, <laughs> I think there are some questions in the, in the, I know there's one crowdsource question, so I'll, I'll maybe forego um, the doctor bit. Um, unless you want to talk about like what you practice, like what, what kind of doctor are you? So I'm a podiatrist, foot and ankle surgery. Um, I did my schooling specifically for foot and ankle surgery. I did my residency in New York City uh, as more of a generalized orthopedic residency. So I did hips and shoulders and knees and all the level one trauma stuff uh, in the South Bronx. Um, but I now just focus below the knee. So I don't do any surgeries. I don't do any more knees, hips and anything. I just, all my surgical cases are like fractures, ankles, scopes, um, bunions, things like that. Gotcha. Or until some random dodgeball player comes to you with something, which we'll get into. Exactly. But uh, okay, cool. Well, like I said, I'll, I'll, there was one question that came up. I'll I'll save that for the crowdsource questions. But um, what uh, what team do you currently play for? I currently captain Elevation, based out of Denver, Colorado. Awesome. And um, that's a fairly new team, like just this season. Yeah, yeah. We're we're in our first year. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of teams are in their first year, all things considered. Uh, we technically formed um, around the end of 2021. FDC was our first tournament that we 
technically attended, although it was kind of only about a third of the actual team. And then we picked up some other fun players along with us. Uh, but we've really only been playing together as a team for this really past year. Gotcha. And um, notice that the Paulsons were on your team now, Dakota and... Yeah, yeah. Dakota and Braden Paulson. Yeah, great guys. Uh, they're brothers. They're not twins, although they look very, look very much alike. Uh, and it's just probably easy to call them the twins. But uh, yeah, two great guys based out of Colorado or based out of uh, Denver, but uh, originally from Wisconsin and went to school in Minnesota. I think I got that right. Uh, good old Midwest boys. That's why they're like eight feet tall. <laughs> yes, exactly. What's the, a lot the, of corn fed. Uh, I was just going to say, boys. yep, you're, you're Midwest home, home fed, corn fed <laughs> giants. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, t I talked to uh, Dakota. Um, Heard a lot about him. I, I think since like, well, I guess twenty twenty because I, I wasn't here twenty twenty one. Rebecca, yeah. Chapel. Um, I guess now Rebecca Wynn and the off chance she's listening to this. Congratulations. Um, congratulations. She had talked up uh, this Dakota guy a lot. He's like, oh yeah, this guy's a monster. And I was like, oh great. <laughs> like, what's uh, it's actually really cool that the NCDA is still you know somewhat feeding teams into Premier. And uh, but I'm also thinking like, man, this is. One more reason why I should probably retire because these guys are going to be monsters. <laughs> well, the, the Paulsons actually didn't play in the NCDA. They, um, oh, they, didn't. they came up through the ranks. I guess they played a little like uh, intramurals in college and things like that. But really, they, they started playing competitively here in Denver uh, through VGL initially. Oh, really? Um, and kind of just started playing as much as they could. Uh, you know, I think Dakota had played with a VGL team based out of Denver at Sin City back in 2019, did pretty well there, got hooked. And then obviously there's the big break. And then now he's pretty much been playing in whatever he can now. That's awesome. So he's definitely one of those guys that just gets hooked and will take all the dodgeball that they oh, can. Oh yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Um, they seem like a cool guy. Um, definitely want to have him on maybe later this season. Um, yeah. get my history of him correct and then try to figure out what uh, remember Rebecca talked about him um, maybe because he she heard of him I'll have to revisit that but um, he he did play in the uh, uh, Joe DeFuria's um, sort of um, return to dodgeball tournament that he had in Arizona back uh, in 2020, huh. 2021 right yeah uh, about a year ago or I think it's just over a year ago now yeah um, but yeah he played there with um, sort of a grouping of Havoc players. Um, I forget what team they went, what the name they went by, but uh, um, he was uh, with some of the uh, the former Havoc players, along with Alan Stott, and um, I think Gage played with them as well in that team. But yeah, he was definitely making some noise there, making some big catches, big arm, big foam player, big big nosting player, just nice. all around athletic guy. Yeah. Um, did you play in that tournament? I didn't. Run. No, I, I actually went with Jenny and we helped uh, helped ref. Um, got there a little late, but uh, yeah, pretty much just uh, a skip and a jump across. I think it was like an hour flight uh, to Arizona. So it was, it was real quick to get there, real simple. It was like a $90 flight. <laughs> uh, but it was good to just, you know, get back involved with the community and help out and, and uh, participate and just, you know, see people play. So it was a lot of fun just to be there. I can imagine, um, man, back when flights were cheap, cheaper. Right, exactly. So, um, 
let me, I'm just going to write down the other question because I do want to find out more about the Denver scene, but uh, just okay. to kind of go back to, I don't want to say the script, but um, so Elevate, Elevation is your new team, but I mean, what teams are you known for? I mean, you've been playing for quite some time, right? Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, I technically started playing back in 2003, um, back in college, uh, very different landscape back then. This is before the NCTA even formed. Um, played at Ohio State, then kind of just jumped around from there. I didn't really officially play competitively until I got to New York City. I, I jumped on Gotham sort of as like a, just a backup player. And then Edgar Fox and I branched off from there. So I, I played with Gotham, I think, for a little bit at the end of 2014 when I was in New York. And then Edgar Fox and I branched off and we took uh, Dwitty with us. And we formed Arkham uh, alongside with uh, Josh Ty and, hmm. and Jose Aquino. So um, we, we played Arkham. I was with Arkham for a good three more years, 2015 to 2018, uh, until I left New York City. And then from there, I tried to sort of continue playing in the East, uh, even though I was living in Ohio for a short stint. And we did a sort of a, a free agent type team called Zero. Uh, just a bunch of fun guys in the East. It was tough though, because we literally couldn't practice together. Um, no more than two of us lived in the same state. Uh, so uh, it's definitely a frustrating time where, you know, we sort of underperformed just because we had no chemistry. Right. Uh, but um, still a lot of fun to play with. And then uh, once I moved out of Ohio uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, moved to Colorado and then uh, was able to meet up with a lot of really great guys here and saw a lot of potential again with the Paulsons and another guy, Andrew Garib. And then of course uh, I made a connection friendship with uh, Scott Bronson and, and Kyle Warren. And so we were able to kind of come up with uh, the, the team together at the time, Scott was living down in Colorado Springs, just an hour South. Uh, he's since moved back to Texas, but um, it was, uh, it was definitely uh a good, uh, good solid core for, for a fun team and, and definitely something that was, uh, got me really excited to play again. Cause I was actually considering retiring at that point. I, um, I was even thinking, well, maybe I'll just hop around and see if any teams need a, you know, a seventh or even an eighth. Uh, and then just kind of just to be part of the community, but not really, you know, captaining or, or doing anything. And then, uh, this team kind of, came together almost fell into my lap and and uh, now i'm just uh re-energized to play again so it's definitely a, a lot of fun nice that, that's really kind of you to pick up uh kyle and scott because they're terrible people so <laughs> <laughs> the worst they're the worst human beings you could ever have so good on <laughs> your captainship for reeling them in um it's charity work yeah do a lot of charity work yeah i had a interview with them back in 2020 and it was awful just was not happy <laughs> at all not one good You're just talking minute. shit about everybody yeah it was just just horrible horrible people <laughs> um, um, am i supposed to mute your uh, silence you know, the, uh... i really appreciate that because i almost wrote it down i was like no i i after before talking to josh i realized or after editing josh i was like i'm gonna bleep out like every other word from this this kid so i'm just gonna just gonna let the, let, let the words fly um Fair enough. But I do appreciate that. And that's, uh, maybe I'll put it up for a poll, see who, um, <laughs> people care. I, I personally, I think the bleep noise is hilarious, but, um, 
yeah, with, with Josh, it would just be bleep, 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 bleep nonstop. And <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to censor the guy. So, but, um, yeah. Um, a couple things. So you've been playing since 2003. I have. Yeah. This is, I mean, it is a very different landscape back, back then as about as wreck as you can get. Yeah. We, no, we, uh, we have to go. We there. would play pick up Mondays and Thursdays on an outdoor hockey rink. So there's this enormous court. Uh, I think we'd have something like 20 or 30 balls on the court. Uh, this is before the day of pinching, actually. Um, and back then, once we started figuring out how to pinch, I mean, we would, with a, with a straight face, call it grippy throwing, which is such a ridiculous thing to think back on. I think some people in Michigan started trying to call it like the gorilla grip. And uh, eventually, obviously, just settled on pinch. But uh, yeah, so we were still figuring out a lot of things. And it was it was competitive in the sense that people were trying hard, but there was zero organization. There was uh, no teamwork. It was just people trying to, you know, not necessarily hurt other people, but you know, prove who's the toughest and yeah. throw as hard as they could and, and all that. Creepy throwing that needs that needs to take. <laughs> That needs to take over pinch from now on. Just groupie throwing division. Groupie throw. I love. I used to love calling it groupie throw. Just oh, silly man. name. The um, 2003. I think you might actually have me beat, man, because we started playing in Tucson in 2003, playing medic. But it was like super late into the year. Um, our first outing, and there's footage of this. Just literally consisted of uh, myself, um, Logan Doomtrain. Some some of the OGs might recognize his name. And um, we were just throwing balls at him, like in the middle of the lawn <laughs> at like two o'clock in the morning. He was just like punching him and karate kicking him. And I, I don't know why, but that's that's what we did. That's how we passed the time. And then um, we eventually kind of organized our play medic. And then same thing, like somebody figured out. Actually, I think it was Mason's. Like, hey, if you grab the ball like this, it goes faster and harder. And um, <laughs> then we found out through LA, they pinched too. So I always love like, especially when we go back to like pre NDL days. Like, how did people get their get their start and how did they all get to here essentially? So 2003, you said it was rec, like what, what kind of real set were you playing? Cause that was even like before the movie. Um, yeah, it was right before the movie came out that I started, I think, because they actually did a, a little feature. I think the local news came by and uh, did a little piece on us in association with the movie coming out, something hmm. like that. And then of course there's a whole, if you can dodge a wrench, et cetera, uh, with that. But, um, as far as rule sets, um, there are a lot of just terrible rules. Uh, dirty blocking, dead off ball. Um, uh, let's see. I think that's that's probably the worst one. That's probably the most frustrating rule. Um, but yeah, it was just it was chaos. God, those are especially with 20, 30 plus balls and up to like forty v forty on the court. Yeah, like that sort of thing. Braveheart Civil War style battle type things, just skirmishes. Oh absolutely. Yeah, that yeah, was absolutely that is the best way to play. Um and then anything goes in, in terms of balls, because like we would use like nerf balls, like those little like star shapes, like I don't even like balloon balls, like whatever whatever as long as it wasn't like a baseball, we, we were like throw it in there. Let's do it. <laughs> what about you guys? No, it's it mainly the uh, the eight point five playground balls gotcha. uh, sometimes someone would bring one of those gigantic like i don't know what two like 24 inch diameter rubber balls um 
but yes, yeah, so typically it's just the typical uh, 8.5 ball. Gotcha. And what was the style like, or the format? Like just if I catch you, you're out and hits count. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it was dead off ball. So if you blocked it, if you're, if you're holding a ball and you quote unquote block the ball and hit it into your face, you're still you're safe, good. which again, silly rule. Um, I think the NCBA still had that rule up until like 2000, I want to say 14 or 16 or they had it. I had it for a long Pretty, time, dirty blocking. I think 2016, 2017, I remember talking to uh, some of the NCDA players about that. I think Paige even mentioned dirty blocking was a thing that she had to overcome because you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took me forever to get uh, get used to not pinching, first of all. It took me a good year just to learn how to throw over open-handed and not pinch block. Um, and then it took me a good long while to, to get used to clean actual blocking which is probably why i'm so still so bad at it i mean it's been playing that way since 2003 that's so a <laughs> lot of muscle memory to, to overcome yeah um so you mentioned gotham arkham zero you're now on elevation have you had like the same number the entire time or do you have like a specific number and yeah yeah i for the most part i've always been 11 uh it just dates back to literally the first number I got when I was playing soccer when I was like seven years old or something. And then the numbers just always stuck with me. I, I did pick up number 10 for, for a little while as a, um, as a, uh, an homage to my best friend who passed away uh, a few years ago, uh, mm. cancer. Uh, he was number 10 all through, all through school. And, and so I, I picked up the number 10 for, for a couple seasons, but for the most part, I, I've always been number 11. Gotcha. Um, curious because I don't think I ever. <clears throat> I remember hearing about zero. Why? Uh, what was the what was the name or the meaning of that name? There's no real meaning. We literally had like a list of a hundred names <laughs> to pick. Yeah, and we just kind of went down the line. I thought, oh, that seems like a fun name, and then uh, it ended up kind of playing off the very mature uh, zero fox given sort of phrase. Gotcha. And then so I had a little fox up on the um on the jersey that i put and then our chant would be one two three zero fox nice very, all very mature so yeah i mean there's there's i've heard worse in in the whole <laughs> sphere of dodgeball so um i used to I used to run a, a league in tucson for the longest time and i would forbid any innuendos and in like no no bad team names right like pg <clears throat> and i had dodged these men um, they're like in their late forties. Um, no, I may at the time, like mid early, early to mid forties. And they're like engineers. One was a, um, nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner. So they, they, they're very, you know, adult, like mature men. Right. And I remember sure. like for two straight years, I always allowed dodge these men. I remember one time I was like looking at the, um, at the, at the lineup and it dawned on me. I was like, dodge these, dodge the seat mother like just <laughs> and i was like you, you guys have ran this for so long on my nose i had no idea so um yeah nice. I, mean, I can only imagine how many wonderful names are out there so zero fox absolutely there's nothing that's actually pretty cool um <laughs> i i thought that was gonna be a play on on uh, edgar fox just because no no it's the the go-to <laughs> um so you talked about the break, the break a little bit um 
usually the question is how has it affected you but it's more like how have you like um i guess like gone back to normal like what, what got you through it now that we're you know back to playing dodgeball again uh i actually was extremely active throughout the all entirety of 2020 2021 um when the pandemic hit jenny and i used to actually go on walks daily i got back into running and so we had both actually lost a, a bunch of weight over the pandemic so nice. getting back into playing was was really not that difficult and then kind of the nice thing is you know since we moved at the beginning of the pandemic to elevation like literal elevation um getting used to playing at you know 50 800 feet uh it really helped you know anytime we go back down to sea level and play i feel like i could i feel like i have limitless energy it's it's fantastic there's really something to be said about living and practicing at elevation hmm. and um i have been staying pretty active for the last two years I actually just ended a 555 day running streak i was running something like a little over two miles a day or something like that on average. So, I mean, I've been staying active. I just, uh, um, I, I just can't not do stuff. I, I have to be doing something. So, uh, it, it helps cause then it keeps me ready to play at any time. So you ran 555 days straight. Yeah. What the, <laughs> so sometimes you might have seen me or people may have seen me like running before a dodgeball tournament. Yeah. That was just to get my dot, my run in for the day. Jeez, man. It's a little silly. I know it's a little, I, I get on, I, I actually commented, I think Drew, Drew is doing like a push up streak or something like that. Yeah. I comment on it. I, I do love these, these streaks. This is a fun way to, to sort of compete with your friends and yourself and stay active. And I don't know, something about these streaks are a lot of fun to me. I often do like a, a holiday running streak between Thanksgiving and new year's where same thing. You try to run at least a mile a day. Um, I usually, for that period, I try to run like three miles a day, something like that. Uh, but it's just, yeah, something about it is enjoyable to me. Man, well, there goes, there goes any excuse I ever had about running too much. Um, <laughs> hate running. And I know the only way to get better at running is to run more. So I try to do it yeah. often, but, um, I mean, shoot, if you can do it 555 days consistently, um, Obviously, you're not sprinting, right? Like the entire time. It's no, like a no, job. just 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 running. Whatever I feel comfortable doing that day. Uh, actually, you might you might uh, you might appreciate this. Actually, a buddy of mine in in med school, he was a, a former marine. I don't know. I guess once a marine, always a marine, right? Yeah, don't so piss him off. So he's a marine, uh, and he would he he would always say how a former drill sergeant of his would always tell him, "Did you sleep last night? Yes. Well, then you had time to do it." So I always took that to heart. You know technically you always have time to do something you know whether or not it's just walking around or going for a light one mile jog you're still doing something there's always time for that nice i need to get ready for um the army what was it the the acft the army combat fitness test which is actually yeah. really fun a lot of it's like um crossfit type stuff okay but then after your gas then you do this two mile run which i've i've done it before oh, it's uh that's when it's not as fun because your legs are just noodles 
but uh yeah that's that's terrible i keep i keep getting to that excuse like oh I, I, you know i lifted today or you know i'll do it tomorrow so i'll just settle for the old man machine the elliptical <laughs> which has helped me a lot though at least in terms of like slimming down a little bit but um i'm gonna think about that next time my my knees hurt or my my ankle hurts i'm tired <laughs> well injury okay injury is a injury is one thing you obviously don't want to push through an injury yeah have but you if ever, you're feeling fine and you're just it's all mental then that's a different thing have you ever heard the saying are you hurt or are you injured <laughs> yes exactly so is that, that i mean that's as a as a doctor especially you know knees knees and below and with the amount that you are active you know is it like how would you gauge pain like because I, I i can almost hear some people saying hey don't push through things i've, I've heard some wild statements on here before um sometimes you really just need to listen to your body and be like no man I, I need to just chill what's the like how do you know i guess like yeah that's tough so every person's different every scenario is obviously different and you know it's one of those things where if something's hurting there's generally always going to be some sort of modification that you can do some sort of alternative that you can do if your left knee hurts, you know, start doing some upper body. You know, if your ribs hurt, you know, that's probably, well, that's probably not an example, but you know, if your shoulders are hurting you, work on your lower body, do some sight light cycling, things like that. Right. Uh, so there's always a way to sort of get around an injury or, or not injury, but discomfort right. um, while still being safe. Um, but then ultimately at the end of the day, you have to be smart about it. You have to take your time and, and you have to, to listen to your body. Uh, if, if it's hurting, if it doesn't seem right, especially, then you just have to have to take it easy. I mean, that's not time to uh, push through the pain as they say. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's where we get all these people who, you know, they're known for working out super hard and then three shoulder surgeries later oh, yeah. they're they're retired at you know 27 because they kept working through or pushing through injuries for right. whatever reason are you uh you a david goggins fan you heard of him I'm, I'm not familiar yeah he's uh that man is obnoxiously motivated <clears throat> he um he went through a lot of stuff as a kid a lot of really bad dark stuff former oh, still he, he wrote a he has a book out can't hurt me he's yeah okay yep. we're did you talk about it on a previous podcast or I'm, maybe i heard it on another podcast i'm sure it's come up to. a few times I, I seem to go through the cycles of uh jocko malink and, and david goggins every every chance i get um they're at a 10 i'm like at a three with these guys so um but yeah he, he's one of those guys that like ran like this double marathon and he was like peeing and he said it looked like coca-cola i'm like you should probably stop man like that's Jesus. probably that's probably not good but uh you know definitely if i ever had that issue i'd be like i think i'm done i think i'm gonna take a break but <laughs> you have people like him saying oh i just push through it or um you know embrace the suck and he just uh there's some good advice and bad advice out there and yeah i think uh yeah i mean you don't want to you don't want to glorify over training you know, yep. there's, there's definitely limitation. There's definitely a wall that you don't want to, or threshold you want to, don't want to cross. But yes, you know, there's definitely something to be said about pushing past mental hurdles or mental blocks. Um, and ultimately, oftentimes there's a very fine line between those two things. 
And it's sort of up to the individual person to decide what side of that line you currently are. Gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely a place I, I struggle with because when I start running, it's like, oh, my shin hurts, my knees hurt, I'm tired, wham, poor me. And then after like mile, <laughs> mile two or three, I'm like, I could do this forever. And all right, right. And it's just trying to figure out what that, again, is it discomfort? Is my, am I just kind of protesting? So I'm trying to find a reason to knock this off and go get McDonald's because sure, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the easier route. But, uh, oh man, uh, I'll probably, you, you covered something like this, didn't you, on the, uh, the Wad Pod? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that comes up a lot. Injuries are so unfortunately frequent in dodgeball and well, sports in general. But, um, you know, there, there's definitely a very, it's very important to talk about this and for people to be educated on this sort of thing, because uh, unfortunately, quite a few injuries that happen in our sport are very possibly preventable, whether it's from correct training or properly resting your body or, or really prep prepping appropriately for a tournament. Um, you know, there's so many people, they, they think, Oh, well, you know, I've always been able to just pick up and go and, and play eight hours of dodgeball at a tournament. And it's no big deal, but you know, father time ultimately is undefeated. So the older we get, the more, the higher risk we are for these issues. And, you know, that risk, might increase by a marginal amount each year, but it still increases. And, and there's really no, it's just not a good idea to test that or to, to really push it too hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a good, good thing to talk about, or at least sort of refreshing people's minds, I think in order to, to help get people to, to, to play our, uh, play the sport safely. Exactly. It's all about uh preventative maintenance, trying to, just squeeze out as much as you possibly can, especially when you get to uh, my age. Uh, I'll be 39 in two weeks, and I still think I can squeeze so out a couple more years. So, yeah, I get that a lot. But you have people <laughs> like uh, Tim and Benedetto and um, what's his name? Anthony Coella, Joe, uh, Joe Coella, who's like 42, 43. So, as I've been saying, I'm watching them. Like when they when they retire, I'm like, okay, maybe a year <laughs> after them. <laughs> But uh, I have to ask, man, you've been playing since 2003, so are, are you, we're the same age, aren't we? 39? Yeah, yeah, turned 39 a couple months ago. Ah, you're older than me, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll move past this. Um, <laughs> so let's go back to uh, 2003. So was that your first time playing dodgeball ever, or had you played it as a kid? I had never played as a kid, and it's not because um, any of the schools I, were, I attended growing up, you know, banned it. Or anything like that. I just, I just had never had an opportunity to play until I was, uh, I guess at that time, nineteen years old. Yeah. Wow. That's that takes me. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, it was the first time I'd ever played. Um, I just heard about this pickup going Mondays and Thursdays, and it just sounded like the, you know, it sounded like a lot of fun. I went, and it was probably the most fun. I'd ever had doing anything in my life at that up until that point. And I was completely, absolutely hooked from day one. So how and I've been completely obsessed ever since. How pure is this then? So when you heard, Hey, do you want to come play dodgeball? You weren't thinking like the movie. Do you remember what you thought when you first saw dodgeball? Yeah, this, this is before, oh, when I first saw the movie. No, no, no. Like or when, when I heard about dodgeball, when you first heard about yeah, dodgeball, when I, when I first heard about dodgeball, I, 
I honestly, I was super excited. Like I remember thinking, is this actually happening or, you know, am I being punked? Am I being told to, to go to this place at 9 30 PM at night so I can get jumped or what's happening here. <laughs> and then I saw, I went there, they played from, I think, I want to say they played from like nine to 11 o'clock at night. And I just remember going and there were easily a good 50 plus people there playing. And yeah, it was, I, this is before the movie had come out. This is before really I'd even thought about dodgeball ever prior to that point in my life. And it was, it was honestly just one of the, the most magical nights uh, because I, I never experienced something like that before in my life. That's so awesome, man. Um, yeah, we started playing at the integrated learning center in at the U of A is where we found our home. And it was like, a felt like a Coliseum almost. Cause you would just go down these stairs underneath the ground nice. and just be cement built, uh, cement barriers. And you'd go into the actual learning center, but we were playing right there. So we'd play until two, three o'clock in the morning until we literally could not move. And, uh, wow. same thing, just that, that magical experience. Like this is so much fun. Um, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's really cool to like, God, I wish I could have, thought back then like hey there's other people out there in the states doing this right now it's not just us like yeah. that's kind of that's really cool um so what, what i honestly don't think i would have had the maturity to really understand that at that age um i do remember having the very 19 year old mentality of like oh i i'm a hard ass i'm gonna destroy all these people blah 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 and then um you know then you take the first shot to the face and you get a little uh a little uh Humble. get humbled a little bit so <laughs> what um what, what about it got you like um was it just like the the rush of stuff trying to hit you hitting other people like do you remember what what hooked you like like this is what yeah i i think i really enjoyed despite it being you know kind of a lot of flexing and throwing as hard as you could there was sort of this chess-like mentality to it where you were trying to outplay the person in front of you, you know, fake and move in, in a way that uh, gets them to to bite and then you take advantage of them uh, that way. And it, to me, it was, it was a great sport because of how much of an equalizer it was. Uh, you know, you didn't have to be the most athletic person, the biggest arm. If you had your niche ability, you know, like, all you could do is catch, but you could catch better than anybody. Then all of a sudden that levels the playing field. So the fact that literally anybody from any walk of life could play, I think that was easily one of the most attractive things to me. Cause I'd met, I met so many rent and I, and I think dodgeball makeup to this day is still like this where there's so many people come from such random walks of life and such varied and vast walks of life. I, I love the diversity. Uh, where you can have your typical, you know, high school jock playing with your typical, you know, nerdy, they came from their D and D match or, and then, you know, they're, they're playing dodgeball in, in like in cargo pants and, and skater shoes. And it's just it, everybody from all different walks of life could play. And it was just, it's just such a great little melting pot of, of personalities. Yeah. I've always loved that. It's um, <clears throat> like you said, it, it, it can be anybody's game it, at any time you're the hero. And that, uh, absolutely to this, to this day that hasn't really, um, I don't think we've lost that. I think that's still 
still very much a thing. Um, even though, you know, we're at the, I would say like the highest we've ever been in terms of, of, um, competitiveness and professionalism still anybody's day. I feel, um, you had said you, so you played soccer growing up. Uh, what else did you play? What other sports? Soccer was the main one, uh, big skier played baseball, like little league baseball, you know, middle school baseball, nothing, nothing serious. Um, and I did track I actually used to pole vault and I did a little precision shooting, like Olympic 10 meter, um, air rifle, uh, some pretty random ass sports, <laughs> but nothing that, oh, and I guess martial arts. Yeah. I did like 15 so years of martial arts. Oh, nice. What, uh, what style? Taekwondo. Nice. So it, that was a nice one too, because I definitely, especially in the early days, a lot of my footwork came from martial arts and a lot of the faking, a lot of the fainting, a lot of that came again from, from like sparring Taekwondo style. And so that definitely helped transfer to, um, to dodgeball. Uh, so I definitely relied a lot, pretty heavily on that, uh, when I first started out playing. That makes sense. Cause I've, I've seen your footwork, Mike looks like he's about to reverse <laughs> kick somebody. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do any like kicks or weird, silly, uh, <laughs> type moves or anything, but, right. um, but no, definitely it, it was good to kind of stay bouncing and stay, you know, be able to also read people's body language and, and get an idea of when they're about to throw and, and help that help work, help me work on timing for counters and things like that as well. Nice. Yeah. I still, uh, still find myself going to stances. I took martial arts when I was a little kid. And then, then again, had like this resurgence in high school, post high school, but with like the, the weight distribution balance, like, um, generating power, torque, all that good stuff. Uh, that's awesome. Do you remember what you played in baseball? What second base, second base, which I think in middle school, little league, I think second base is where they put you when you're not very good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was, I, I don't think I was, I was the greatest baseball player. I think, um, uh, oh, I, I also played tennis. I forgot about that. So I, I, I try to, I, I've always tried to play anything and everything that's even remotely a sport. Nice. Um, if, if it's, yeah, if it even resembles a sport, count me in. So I, I've always been down to, to play anything. Um, like I'll, I'll play the crap out of darts ping pong i don't know any anything uh, i love it i just got into uh I, I did get into spike ball a little bit last summer down no not I'm not sorry, to the please level don't say like, um... kevin bailey <laughs> i didn't get the level of kevin bailey no but uh um definitely is a lot of fun we're gonna when we're done with this i'm gonna send you this clip from um steve martin movie called parenthood um his he made his kid play second base and his kid did not want to play it did, did you ever by chance see that movie I haven't now. So this looked like this came out when I was like maybe six or seven playing baseball. And then, uh, the kid just goes like in, in the father's mind, the, the kid grows up and becomes like a, a very bad person. Cause he, he made him play second base. So I just, I don't know if you saw me on the, on the video laughing. Cause you just triggered that memory. I'm like, Oh man, second play, second base. <laughs> I might put that in the, in the comments too, once this is dropped, but, um, spike ball. Well, I mean, two around. I, I just, I always saw spike ball, like, happening during open gym and people playing that instead of open gym like what, what are you guys doing like get this sacrilegious <laughs> thing out of here how dare you yeah 
But um, it's fun though. So they say. Uh, I haven't. I tried playing once, and I was like, "Ah, this is whatever." But uh, maybe, maybe I'll try it one of these days. Give it a, an honesty goodness shot. I um, curious. So, two thousand three, Recreational it's before NCDA. Did you um, you play for Ohio, right? For the, the NCDA, Ohio State, yeah, Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. So, was that your uh, your first like competitive dodgeball experience then? Yeah, yeah. Um, from my understanding, Ohio State playing against Kent State was the first, historically the first intercollegiate match in history. And then uh, from there, it kind of branched out. More and more schools in Michigan started to form their own dodgeball teams, and then they formed the Michigan Dodgeball Cup, which eventually became the actual nationals, intercollegiate nationals. And so Ohio State won the first two nationals in 2005 and 2006, and then they were runner-up, I think, in 07 and 08. Uh, and that's when Grand Valley uh kind of rose to power and they've really pretty much just, just taken on i think dominated all, since maybe then. two or three years since then a couple of combo breakers uh i think central <laughs> central michigan was one of them one of the mm-hmm. disruptors um second valley stage central michigan yep. um towson so there, there have been a few other other schools but uh it's mainly just been dominated by uh, gvsu man what are they really feeding those kids <laughs> I um I remember like because when, when we when the NDL happened in 2005, we started realizing other people are playing out there, you know, doing the uh, internet browsing because I think this was even before Google, trying to find out who else played, and I would see the NCDA and be like, man, these guys are massive, and then I would find out that they were actually like, they had um like televised games on um I think it's like Fox Sports Network, like you can I think if you do some diving, you can find some clips on YouTube. But uh, were, were you part of that whole scene? Like, do you remember like the commentators and like just the like how advanced I feel like NCDA was back in the day? No, no, I was I was never a part of that. I I've always tried to stay behind the scenes with anything. I never really like to be to have my name stamped on anything or really be part of anything um, like that. Uh, so I was actually never really part of any of that. I really just went to whatever tournaments I could afford and, and kind of just sort of in the background of a lot of that stuff play move on yeah there's got to be footage of you out there somewhere i'm like oh my god it's alfred from yeah i think the only footage out there is on like a mini dv tape somewhere in somebody's basement someone will find uh, it yeah <laughs> yeah this is way before the days of digital recording so not no good quality footage out there from back in the day that's <laughs> that makes for sure. it that makes it even better if it's yeah. If it surfaces. Um, did you ever play in any uh, National Dodgeball League tournaments like in Vegas? I didn't. I, I was definitely of the mindset of 8.5 pinches life. Mm. Any other dodgeball is stupid and uh, that whole mindset. So I, I, I was completely opposed to, to any other style of dodgeball. Um, so I actually never never participated in the, in the in NDL tournaments. I was very much aware of them. And... Um, I, I, I kind of followed some some of the players. So I, I definitely knew of a lot of the guys, even the ones who are still playing now. Uh, but I, I I was not involved back back in the day now. Gotcha. Um, 
generally the next question is like, what drew you into elites? But it just seems like it was just like a natural progression. You just wanted to compete and be more yeah, involved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was one of those things where I was just itching for whatever dodgeball I could find when right. I moved to New York city. And it, it was great that Gotham had already been established for a few years at that point. So I was able to just kind of hop on with them and, you know, and play with them whenever they needed somebody for, for either one-off tournaments or the occasional elite tournament. Uh, I think I only played maybe two rounds with them before we branched off and formed Arkham. But um, that was sort of my, my introduction to the more competitive scene outside of NCDA uh, was, was elite back in 2014. Was it a pretty big, um, like, I don't want to say culture shock, but like, you know, having to forgo dirty blocking and like the one foot out of bounds, one foot. Oh in. yeah. It, it, it was hell. Some, some <laughs> it, was, it was so difficult getting used to the small courts, the hard lines, the clean blocking, no pinching was the biggest one. It's it, seriously, I, I, I spent so many practices and, and open gym sessions working on just how to tape my fingers correctly and how to grip the ball and, and all that. So it, it definitely took me a long time just to get used to it. Um, and I'm still probably tweaking stuff nowadays, even just to try to try to hold everything. Would you, uh, do you still play pinch? Uh, no, not really. I, I enjoy it, but it's just, I mean, I I've literally sprained every single one of my fingers, mm. which not a great thing to do if you need to do surgery. Right. So no, no, you, need, you need those. Yeah. So the unfortunate thing is, you know, they'll have open gym sessions here on Thursdays, which of course I can't attend if I have surgery on Friday. So, um, pinch is definitely, uh, the style where I've, um, sustained the most injuries. And so I don't necessarily miss playing pinch, um, especially because, you know, t typically if you even jam a finger on your throwing hand, it's difficult to even pinch the ball again. So, uh, yeah, I don't really miss it. Um, I can definitely see the, uh, the experience and expertise involved in playing and, and I see why people enjoy it, but, uh, it's, it's not really something I miss. Gotcha. I was very, very upset when the NDL banned pinching, but eventually learn to to throw without it and now I, I can't go back it's just i'll throw one but like that hurts so much i will never do that again <laughs> just those muscles are gone they just don't want to do that anymore and then seeing these bruisers playing pinch now i'm like yeah no thanks i'm i'm fine yeah these guys nowadays are so impressive it's, yep. it's really incredible and how naturally the the younger guys these 18 19 year old kids in college how how quickly they pick it up because they, they can see how far, well, they see almost this finished product nowadays where everybody is playing a certain way. So it's so easy for them to pick it up uh, and, and take it even to a further level. So it's really, really impressive to see and to watch. Definitely. So, I mean, you've played all kinds of dodgeball. Like what's, what, um, what, like what style, what version, what rule set is your favorite to date? <laughs> I I definitely have always loved elite style dodgeball. 
Uh, 8.5 has always had a special place in my heart. I would say, well, ultimately at the end of the day, I, I will play any style of dodgeball, regardless of the ball type, the rule set. I mean, there's certainly, um, you know, the, there are certainly rule sets or rules in general that are on paper just silly or bad rules. And there's almost no arguing them, but I'll still play it. Um, so there's not really anyone in particular, I'd say, that I prefer better than the others. Even foam, I can't throw a foam ball to save my life, but I still love it. I still love playing it. I, I think the WDBF rules make a lot of sense as, as, they're, as they have been written. Um, you know, we'll see what that's like coming up, but uh, that's a whole different conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone in particular that I prefer playing. I, I certainly think personally, I enjoy watching uh, WDBF foam the most. I think it's the, the most exciting um, dodgeball that I've seen on, at least on film. Um, I mean, I was literally, you know, watching the 2019 worlds in Cancun, I was literally screaming and jumping up and down watching with excitement because, you know, when, when Paige made that catch, when that she got insane. those kills, made the catch, close it out, literally willing the team to the finals. That was insane. That was one of the most exciting things to watch live. So um, to me, those rule sets, that ball style, that playing style is, is super exciting. These athletic young guys jumping and flipping everywhere. It's, it's so impressive to watch. Uh, can I do that? No. <laughs> uh, so I'm not really going to get the, the most out of it, but uh, I definitely enjoy watching it. But as far as playing goes, I'll, I'll play anything. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that page moment. Um, I'm so glad I got to see the live. Cause I was jumping like, and I like watching the Dallas Cowboys play caliber jumping, like yelling <laughs> at the, at the, 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 um, my computer, this little, um, MacBook air, just, beside myself I was like oh my god just like feel bad for my neighbors uh like the one time they heard anything <laughs> from my my little abode but um I, I really hope that we get to see something like that uh for worlds for this year because that that was that, that was such a even as a spectator such a fun thing to to watch from afar and it just hasn't been back since then so hopefully um we'll get that back but um I kind of think you might know the answer to this one. Do you have a favorite type of ball or is it similar? You'll, you'll play anything. I'll play anything. I've always joked. I'll play with stuffed animals. I don't care. I'll <laughs> again, 8.5 is always going to have a special place in my heart, but I will play anything, whatever's available. Uh, I know people bitch about one ball type or another, and I, I get it to an extent, you know, if, if it hurts your elbow or your shoulder to throw, I, I get that. But you know, for the majority of people, unfortunately, that I've heard bitch about one ball type over the other, it's typically because they just can't play it or they don't have the experience to play it. For the you know the majority of people, obviously, there's some people who can play a ball type, they just don't like it. That that's fine. But yeah, for me, I I, I will play anything and everything. Gotcha. Yeah, I used to fall into that crowd of like, oh yeah, eight point five is the one true ball, and all the other balls suck, and blah blah blah. And most of it was just like I. <laughs> was terrible at foam and it just took some time and practice. Cause at some point I just realized, well, if foam's all I have here in Phoenix, then it's either that or nothing. And I just got better at it and yeah. just, just accepted it. Cause, uh, 
and I would even do the same with cloth. Like I just saw cloth coming into the scene. I'm like, oh man, not another ball. But uh, same thing, man. Just like you said, I guess even if stuffed animals, I'd, I'd probably be out there <laughs> giving it a shot at least. I, I love cloth. I'm a big fan. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I, and like, I'm, I'm surprised um, when I hear from some people that I, that I would peg as like, you know, 8.5 truists, I guess. Um, is it, what, what about cloth do you love? Just curious. Well, I would say a big, a, a good number of people who are like, who are really good at 8.5, who are very comfortable throwing and catching and playing 8.5, they transition so seamlessly to cloth. It's not necessarily the other way around. If you can play cloth, you don't necessarily have the ability to play 8.5. But I've noticed for the most part, if you can play 8.5 well, you'll be perfectly fine playing cloth. And so it's a there's definitely a lot more catching in cloth than foam. It's a straighter throw. There's typically little to no movement on the ball with cloth. And being a bigger ball than foam, typically it's easier to catch. Right. And so, it, yeah, there, there definitely is. What was the question again? <laughs> just, just your, your take on foam. Um, take on foam? Like, like your take on take foam. Take on and, cloth. Oh, I'm sorry, cloth, geez. Yeah. So, yeah, so so cloth to me, yeah, it, it's just a really enjoyable ball type to me. I do have sweatier hands, and that definitely translates to being able to hold the ball more easily. Right. So that certainly probably helps sway my 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 uh my interest in cloth because i can hold the ball more easily as well so it's kind of a weird thing the key is sweat if, if you sweat yeah lovely <laughs> well i haven't played it yet um but it, i remember i was kind of not shocked but um taking it back i guess when, when vince was talking about it um saying very similar things like it's it translates to 8.5 really well it's very linear um, like you said, there's not too much movement. So it's very like, like the same, I don't know, like oomph or directness or power that you would expect from 8.5. You can kind of see happening with cloth. So I'm sure we'll get to right, absolutely. see some, some more games as they, um, as we get closer to worlds, but, uh, it's only a matter of time before it makes its way to, to cactus here in Phoenix. Yeah. I, I'm really excited because I think after the, the Northeast and the Southwest rounds, when people were almost you know quote unquote forced to play cloth they realized after playing an entire division with it that they were realizing this is actually a lot of fun it's it's not as weird as i thought or, or as bad as i thought and so the more people we get actually interested legitimately interested in playing it um i'm very excited to see where it goes from here as far as interest and and what uh what areas pick it up now the problem with it is you know issues with hygiene and cost and um just obtaining the balls in general so that that certainly might be a little bit of rate limiting um part of it but aside from that you know it's a lot easier to transport than foam balls um and and certainly um it's a good alternative to to 8.5 while still being sort of a similar play style gotcha not that I would wish this on anybody. I don't want to jinx you. Have you have you taken a face shot from a cloth ball yet? Absolutely, yeah. Does it hurt? Does it's, it sting? Does no, it feel like... it's it's no. And you know, any ball type, if it catches you in the eye, just the right or I guess wrong way, right? That might be one thing. But yeah, for the most part, a, a face shot from cloth is it's not it's nothing special. 
especially considering how many pinch 8.5 shots I've taken out of face. I, I don't really, I, maybe I just have a hard head. I don't know, but uh, it, it typically uh, doesn't really phase me. Yeah. I think taking a pinch shot to the face, anything else is fine. Like it's no big deal. <laughs> I remember this one time um, I was at Sin City and I was a spectator and um, a no sting ball bounced and just ever so lightly tapped my eyeball. And that was the worst headshot I've ever experienced in my life. Like I actually lost sight for like a couple of seconds. Like what the hell, man? Like that was, it barely tapped me. When you're not prepared for it, that could be so much worse. I actually had a friend who was, he retired from, from dodgeball because he was getting hit by these sort of freak throws where he was in the outline or not playing and he had he took one where it bounced and hit him in the eye and it almost detached his retina he he was in like he said he was like in the worst pain of his life for like a week straight he he had to wear i think he may have had to wear an eye patch but it was yeah it was it was so bad that it actually made him retire um and sometimes those those sort of freak incidences can be worse than a direct face shot you know from somebody throwing full strength at you at least kind of turn a little bit or close your eyes or flinch yeah exactly anticipate it 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 always cracked me up like every time i get hit by like a stray ball like the back of my leg that thing hurts so horribly like it just i'm like why does it hurt so bad but again you're just i guess that element of uh just not being ready amplifies everything gotta walk it off yep sting um throw some dirt on it <laughs> back to the uh, drill sergeant so you heard her he injured like i'm fine never mind <laughs> yeah exactly um shift gears just a little bit um did you have any role models growing up that's tough i'd, I'd love to say that i had some sort of athlete or or mountain climber or somebody that I followed that was, uh, that I looked up to. I, I, I can't say I really had anybody in particular. There are definitely people who I learn about nowadays. So I, I certainly find very, very intriguing. Um, like, I don't know, randomly, someone that pops to mind is Alex Honnold. He's, uh, probably best known to be a, a free climber. Uh, he, he climbed El Capitan. Um, there's a, there's a, I think maybe a next Netflix documentary on him. Um, it's one of the most nerve wracking things to watch him free solo, uh, El Cap and, uh, definitely a, a very interesting, interesting person. Cause he's just like the most chill guy ever, but he does these insane, um, insane, insane acts. And he's seems to be quite humble, which is a, always a good, good thing. I, uh, a good quality. I like to, I try to embody that, but I certainly appreciate that in other people as well. But no, nobody, I never really had any like athletes posters on my walls or anything like that growing up. Didn't have the, uh, Michael Jordan dream team. You know, I actually did win a Michael Jordan picture. Uh, the one of him, the famous one of him dunking from the free throw line. I won it at a fair. It was one of those ones where you, you hit, throw the darts at the balloons and you get a certain size prize when you win. So I do remember that because I was, a big deal that was like their extra large prize so i did have that one I, I guess i i was always a michael jordan fan growing up but that's probably for an 80s 90s kid that's probably one of the that's most cliche standard issue at least you could have exactly gotcha yeah i just did a real quick image search of uh alex honnold and uh el capitan 
And that's this Yosemite, right? That like. Yeah, yeah. Photo, like, most, one of the most famous peaks. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Jeez. Um. Similar question: Do you have a favorite superhero or fictitious character? For no real reason other than I always enjoyed. I I don't know. Growing up as a kid, I always enjoyed the Avengers, X Men, Thor, Iron Man, that sort of thing. Uh, was always a big Batman fan. No real reason otherwise, except that I thought they were fun growing up. Nice. Now have the uh, the '90s X Men theme song in my head now. Oh like, my god, I love that song. I it, love that show. So intense. That show is great. I I used to think bringing that, it back. I think they're doing another. They're essentially like continuing the show from the last season, from from my understanding. Oh no way. Nice. And I was definitely obsessed with um <laughs> with Marvel cards growing up uh, as a kid. I collected all of them, read all of them, so I, I definitely was a big fan of of all the Marvel characters. I, but, I, uh, I found mine. I, I still have my stash from nice. the early nineties. Like, um, you know, like the red border with like the X and just like shows their stats in the back. Like, Oh man. I, yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. Those nice. <laughs> um, going back to dodgeball. Um, and this is optional if you want to answer this one, if it, if you even, if it's applicable, but what was the most difficult moment that you've overcome in dodgeball? If you have one, whether that's an injury or coming out of COVID or. So I, I've luckily knock on wood, uh, never sustained a major injury again, knock on wood, um, to have to fight from, which is good. I think a lot of, a lot of has always been mental. You know, when you play as long, I guess, as I have, it, you know, sometimes you get into slumps where you go session after session and you're just not playing well, or you're not happy with how you played or, or whatever. And you start uh, losing interest or you start um, kind of considering retirement, that sort of thing. Uh, I, that's probably one of the more, I suppose, difficult things I've faced is just um, kind of overcoming those sort of lows, but that's not really that major. Uh, it's certainly a sport that I love so much that as long as you just keep playing, eventually you'll just sort of bounce back. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a, uh, not that I try to get into the the conversation of, about slums, but I'm always curious, like people, how they find a, a dark area and they pull themselves out of it. Um, so when you hit a slump, you just, your, your go-to is like, Hey, I've been playing for a long time. I love this, love this sport. It will get better. I'll get better. Or yeah. I mean, a lot of times I try to isolate or identify what it is that is making me less happy or what I'm enjoying less about it. You know, sometimes if I'm just participating in league after league after league, maybe I'll take a break, step back from league and just do open gym or practices and vice versa. If I don't, feel like I'm getting enough um, out of it, then, you know, maybe I'll just focus on practices and, and tournaments. So there's definitely different mindsets that you're in when you're playing these different things, you know, practice versus open gym versus league versus tournaments. So I think just kind of stepping back and identifying what it is that I'm not really getting from it or what I'm not really enjoying about it 
and then just sort of taking a break and then kind of shifting gears from there. That's sort of been my go-to as far as reinvigorating my my enthusiasm for the sport. Gotcha. Just taking like a tactical pause, so to speak. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. Yeah, I was uh, <clears throat> talked to Whitney last week and she gave me like a, I must say like a tool. I don't know if she realized this or not, but she mentioned that every every game or every league or open gym, she like sets a goal. Like I like this gym, I want to hit this many people. I want to catch this many balls. Or I want to do a double catch. She just like has this checklist that keeps her going. And I've kind of like, um, kind of started to incorporate that. Cause I've, I've definitely had my fair share of slumps and questionable. Like, do I even want to play any more kind of moments? But, uh, that's awesome. It's always good to just kind of take a, a quick pause and get back into it. Absolutely. Um, so let's go into the crowdsource questions, uh, but we'll start with the staple one uh, from Markel, and that was what song amps you up for a dodgeball game, if any. Like, do you listen to music prior to a tournament or prior to dodgeball? I don't. And so in 2010, I started running without music. Ugh. So this... <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. And uh, I, I ran my first marathon in 2011. And so through all of that, I trained without music. You know, I'd go for like a three hour run, no music. And so I, to me, a lot of that came, well, the, a big part of that was sort of being in the moment and, and sort of getting into sort of like a Zen, like, you know, state. And, you know, sometimes I, I go out for like a 5.30 a.m. run for like an hour or two and you just get into it and there's nobody around. It's very quiet, sun's rising, and you get into sort of a meditative state. And it's a good way to clear your head, think about things. And so for me, that's kind of always been my approach is to take more of a, not a really a meditative stance, but definitely more of a, a calm sort of approach. I, I don't like, so I don't drink coffee. I don't really get amped up. I don't do energy drinks. I don't really do any of that stuff. So I'm not really somebody who really needs to be amped up per se. Yeah. But I, I think I'm I'm almost the opposite, I guess, where I, I suppose I just try to stay more zen, stay more calm. And I say that knowing full well that I do get a little <laughs> excited and overamped on the court sometimes. Right. So I don't know how well it's working, actually. I could see that coming just from like your your facial change when you said, and I say it by knowing. <laughs> Um, for those like obviously, it, this is going to be audio only, but we have we have video on, so I could totally see you almost walking that statement back as you're about to finish it. But uh, dang man, so no music. That's I just went back to 555 days of running without music. But that's I mean, <laughs> all the power too if you can if you can tap into that like flow state, that meditative um, state on your own without needing you know ample amounts of caffeine. Or pre-workout or music but uh that's cool i think i first started doing it because uh for the first marathon i ran i'm pretty sure they didn't allow headphones or music hmm. and so in order to prepare myself for that mentally i just ran without music and then i just kind of always done that since and the other thing to me too is with running i never wanted to have to depend on anything or make an excuse not to run, you know? Right. So, you know, if you don't have your music, if you don't, if you're, you know, if you don't have your headphones, your music player's dead, whatever, 
to me, that's not a good excuse not to run. So, and, and certainly I don't want that to be a crutch that maybe diminishes my enjoyment for the run. So nice. I, I just always never had music for that. That's awesome, man. Good on you. I, um, I've been in the situations where Bluetooth's not working or uh, battery's dead. I'm like, I'm out here. I'm still going to run, but I'm going to hate it even more now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll hear a song. Some like, you know, most marathon or yeah, most marathons I've done. There's always music, live music or DJ playing on speakers or something. Yeah. And that'll definitely get me amped up. So if anything, it, to me, it's almost like if it's not an everyday sort of thing, when I do hear the music, it's that much more enjoyable for me. Gotcha. That's really cool. Um, so do you, do you have like a pregame ritual then? Um, like a pre-tournament, like it's, I guess like, uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any pregame rituals at all? Like you, you mentioned you run in the morning, first of all. So what else do you do? <laughs> uh, just your typical shit shave shower, I guess. No. Um, I think a lot of it is again, just trying to get my body ready prepared. I'm not, I'm on the wrong side of 27 or wrong side of 30, I suppose. So I, I can't really just jump into a full day of playing anymore. So I do try to focus on, on getting to the gym early, uh, maybe even doing a few laps of running and just trying to get warmed up, do some good stretching and just take my time and not feel rushed with anything. I've always been a creature of habit. I used to play the, the trumpet, I actually started college as a trumpet performance major, believe it or not. Hmm. And there was always, I always had a whole set routine of warming up and, you know, doing scales and, and all the fundamentals and, and just, there's always been a repetition to everything I do. Um, always a creature habit. So that's definitely how I approach dodgeball. Same thing, always try to spend apple time warming up, stretching, preparing myself physically and mentally to play and then going from there. Gotcha. Alrighty. So another stable, um, Markel says, are the jerseys still on sale on KBS? Yes. There's a, there's actually a marketplace on KBS that we had. They do everything. I think the headband shorts, maybe socks and I think a sleeve and things like that. But yeah, the jerseys are definitely still available actually just um purchased one for somebody uh i think last week nice. so yeah they're definitely still available grab yours today there you go mark hill um is it like a specific url or just go to kbs I'm or pretty sure you can just go to kbs apparel website and then go to the marketplace page and you should be able to find it pretty easily from there nice um dominic borgia asks do you miss playing dodgeball on the east coast I miss the people, probably. Um, I mean, obviously, I enjoy playing dodgeball anywhere, but yeah, I, I think I just miss the people more than I do specifically playing in the East Coast. Um, it does kind of suck not being able to play with people on the East Coast anymore, or at least I haven't in three years. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say I probably miss the people more than specifically playing dodgeball in the East. Gotcha. Follow-up question from him is how is playing in Colorado different? And um, I'm kind of glad because I did want to ask about like the, the Colorado scene um, out there. So, what's what's different other than like the people, or you know, how, how do they compare? So, 
there's really only one competitive league in Denver, and that was BGL. They've just started a new league called Summit Sports, and they are going to be focusing on sort of keeping things more local uh, through through Colorado and supporting Colorado players. The competitive scene here, I'm really proud of everybody. They, they've really improved a lot over the last couple of years. They were playing pretty early on or returning to play pretty early on in the pandemic, playing with masks, making sure everybody was, um, you know, testing and, and staying, staying safe and all that. And the improvement I've seen overall since when I, when Jane and I first moved here to now is, is it's like a nine day difference. It's, they're playing at a totally different level now. So, and on top of that, the commitment to playing is fantastic. There's so many people here who are coming out on a regular basis to play one, two, three nights a week, whether it's through leagues or practices or open gyms. Nice. So there's, there's definitely a good scene here. I would say Brian Troutner was one of the guys who's done a wonderful job spearheading the growth of dodgeball in general here in Denver. So he's definitely somebody to give big props to for that. And um, yeah, it's definitely a good community. A lot of, you know, I, I think this is across the board though with dodgeball, you know, you're going to get friendly people anywhere you go. Right. The community somehow just attracts great people. Every city that I've ever played dodgeball just has the best people I know. And so this is no exception to that. The, the Denver community is fantastic. And, and there's great talent here. There's a lot of raw talent. There's a lot of young talent. And so I, I'm very excited to see the community grow and, and where it goes from here. Awesome. Um, Oh, speaking of Whitney, so she has a couple of questions. She asks, what's the worst dodgeball injury you've seen? And she says maybe top five. <sighs> Don't have to list five, but I want to say come to mind. <laughs> Knocking on I work. mean, any any injury is bad, you know. Yep. Uh, for, on a personal level, you never want to see anybody injured. I it's all relative, I suppose. I mean I I don't want to say this in a bragging way, but I did my residency in the South Bronx at a level one trauma center. So I've seen in, in an orthopedic level one trauma center. So I've seen pretty much everything. Right. Um, and so to me, it's all sort of relative. I guess what some people might consider a bad injury to me is maybe more run of the mill. That sounds kind of braggy, but, um, you know, any fracture is going to be bad. You know, there's the typical, dislocated finger uh there was actually at the at the um, wda world cup one of the one of my teammates he had an open fracture of his dislocation fracture of his finger so the bone was, had popped out and it's dislocated and there's a hole so i actually put the finger back in place for him sent him to the emergency room the emergency room didn't even believe him they just said oh it's just a, a cut <laughs> it's like no the, the bone was sticking out he needs antibiotics is anyway is a whole thing but that's probably one of the more gruesome looking ones i suppose um obviously anytime somebody breaks an ankle breaks a bone and paige peterson i suppose at this 
point infamously broke several bones in her foot. Uh, that was definitely a bad one, especially as far as severity and needing surgery and all that. Right. Uh, definitely reduced quite a few finger fracture dislocations. That's definitely one of the more common ones I've seen, unfortunately. That's really about it. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Whitney's got like a morbid bone in her body or something, but uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe just because you've been a doctor and people coming up to you with injuries, you've seen a lot, but uh, just to satisfy or I guess say say her appetite, I've, I've seen somebody throwing stingers. I don't know if you remember those from the NDL. Oh yeah, I remember those. Dude who uh, was, had to be like maybe 110, super thin, was just throwing absolute heat with the stingers. Like probably the hardest I've ever seen anybody throw. And uh, he ended up snapping his his arm. Like it just it just broke. Yeah, I forgot about that. I have seen some throwing fractures. Yeah. Those are those are very unfortunate. Uh, and at this point, I've almost come to be able to recognize it immediately. You hear the pop. You see them hunch over, grab their arm. You know exactly what happened, unfortunately. <sighs> and it's crazy how in the medical field, that's considered an extremely rare injury. And typically, your typical doctor is going to do a whole workup of bone density and consider, are there any other medical issues? It's like, no, and something about dodgeball specifically that we seem to see an unfortunate number of those types of fractures. Thanks. Unfortunately, Alex Watkins recently probably was one of the more recent uh, um, receivers of that sort of an injury, unfortunately. Mm. Luckily, he's doing well from the sound of it. That's good. Uh, maybe steering the conversation a little bit, she asked, what should players be doing to prevent common dodgeball injuries? I mean, like stretching, not playing through pain. Um, it has to start from way before the tournament, way before playing. I mean, you can't just look at it as just the day of. Mm. Obviously, for the day of, yeah, you have to do your best to warm up and take your time and, and, and you know, prepare your body for a day of practice or playing. Obviously, no one's going to stop playing in the middle of a tournament if they feel uncomfortable. But, you know, sometimes you have to do that. Um, but yeah, ultimately it, it comes down to how you prepare in the weeks to months leading up to any sort of tournament, whether that's playing consistently in your local league or, or your open gym, whether that's, you know, lifting weights, running, doing cardio, doing your exercise. It, it's, it's all about big picture prepping your body sort of longer term. Gotcha. I like that, I like that, um, the phrasing of that, like, you know, premier coming up round three, for example, in two weeks should not be looking at, Oh, how do I get ready? I should have been doing that already. Cause that's going to be high caliber competition and yeah, can't just like stretch for 20 minutes and be like, okay, throw me in there. I'm going to be good. <laughs> so, um, she also asked what has, what has your favorite place or tournament been uh, let me rephrase this um favorite place or tournament to play what has your and i always love nationals it's about as much dodgeball as you could possibly handle oh yeah it's always fun to travel to a different city i love traveling in general uh, it's yeah it's great to be able to play so many different divisions i mean sin city obviously is super fun it's just a great fun environment 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the most recent tournament in Denver, Mile High Shootout, was a lot of fun. It, sometimes it's fun to play the really competitive, high-caliber, intense tournaments. Sometimes it's fun to play the more laid-back, rec-style tournaments. Um, and like I said, the community everywhere is just so good. Right. You know, there's really no... I've really never had a bad experience playing in a different city. Um, each city is just always so invite the, the community is always so inviting and it's just always so much fun to be there and just be amongst either friends or, or new friends and, and just be playing dodgeball. Nice. Um, you did mention actually Alex Watkins describe your NCDA experience. <laughs> Well, it depends because I actually played in in two different on two different um, teams, two different schools. I played 2003 to technically 2008 at Ohio State, and then I played again for a few years at Kent State, um, in like 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. And you know, those were two very different parts of my life, different phases of my life. I was, I would say, maturity level. I was you know, are vastly different areas or, or times, periods of my life. So uh, the original part, when the NCDA was first being formed, when it was first starting, there was definitely a lot of, not hatred for other schools, but there was a lot of, you know, rivalries and right. and wanting to, to beat the other team into submission and really dominate them and, and hit them in the face, punch them in the mouth sort of attitudes. Um, so from a competitive standpoint, it wasn't really the most enjoyable to me because it was just, you go in and you, you have this 19, 20 year old rage and angst and you're, you're taking it out on people you don't really know. But on the flip side, those friendships I made, I still have to this day, you know, the vast majority of those teams, those players, I, I keep in touch with them. I've been to most of their weddings and, nice. you know, it's like these, these, friendships that have lasted a, a you know, lifetime. Whereas um, when I rejoined the NCDA at Kent State, the, the NCDA had become much more established and it was sort of a different, different animal. There was a lot more camaraderie across the board. Um, you know, people definitely knew each other from different schools and there were always parties afterwards, after tournaments where everybody from all the different schools would get together. So it was a Definitely a different feel, but then also on that end, at that point, I was quite a bit older than everybody. You know, there were these 18, 19, 20 year old kids and I was, I was in my mid twenties at that point, later, later twenties at that point. So I was, I was quite a bit older at that point. And so I was just uh, a different, different part of my life. Overall though, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. I do understand why so many kids who play NCDA are focused and hooked solely on NCDA and they have the sort of mindset of NCDA is life, no other style, pinch is life, no other style is worth playing if they haven't really experienced anything else. Um, because I, I definitely had that mindset. I, I really enjoyed it while I was playing. I, I enjoyed my team playing with my teammates, great people. And so I had a really great time in the NCDA, but, um, but on the flip side, I don't really miss it either because I've had so much fun playing in elite and USA dodgeball and, and other, other avenues. Gotcha. 
That sounds really cool. Like playing these tournaments and then all congregating afterwards and partying. And um, I don't know if you ever seen Blue Mountain State, the football show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you seen it? I haven't. No, I know about it, but yeah, I haven't. It's... Seen it. <laughs> uh, I saw that like maybe ten years ago, and it, it's wild. But it was just giving me those <laughs> those visuals. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll refrain from digging into that. Um, Alan Thomas asks, how many different teams have you played on in elite slash USA, uh, premier? And I, I think we covered quite a few. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gotham, Gotham, Arkham, zero elevation for elite slash USA dodgeball. Yep. Um, I did play on the U S dodgeball team at the 2018 world cup, uh, played NCBA at Kent state and Ohio state. And then, you know, obviously just fun little teams here and there for one-off tournaments. There's a, there was a picture of you, I think in a lizard suit, lizard costume, some kind of costume, dinosaur costume. Used to be a profile picture, I think. I think my profile picture is me in a seal costume. It's a seal onesie. Yeah. What was that? Just curious. I think it's Halloween. Halloween. I think I was dressed up as a, in a seal onesie with military fatigues it's supposed to be like a navy seal got it those are always fun tournaments also um alan also asked what's something that most people don't know about elevation is he alluding to something everybody kind of knows that scott and kyle warren are dicks but no um horrible people (laughs) (laughs) ah something people don't know about elevation Maybe I'm reading this into this too much. Maybe it's just a typo, but he spells it E-L-A-V-A-T-I-O-N. Is he alluding to something or am I just like off the rails here? No, I don't think so. Yeah, there's there's not really anything overly secretive or or surprising, I suppose, about the team. Just a good group of guys uh, and and ladies. We have a, we have a women's team and, and co-ed. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a fun group of a fun group of people. Gotcha. It's nothing really that uh, that exciting or juicy about the team. Fair enough. There's no tea to spill. Um, this one cracks me up. So I was snickering earlier because you mentioned Kent State in Ohio, and of course Felix comes in. He says, "You are stranded on a desert island. Which of the teams below would you rather have with you to increase your odds of survival?" And who from the team would be the biggest pain in the ass and why? And he, he lists 2013-2014 Kent State University or 2005-2006 Ohio State University. <laughs> Freaking Felix. Of course, of course Felix would ask a question like that. His questions are so specific. Um, That's I, fantastic. I yep. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at this point, technically, the... the the 2000, was it five, 2006 yep. Ohio State team? I mean, there's more experience with age, I suppose. <laughs> more life experience in general. I, I don't know if that would help me on a desert island necessarily. What was the other part? Who's the most pain in the ass? And, and, and who from the team that you selected would be the biggest pain in the ass and why? Oof. I don't know. I loved everybody on the team. Nobody was really a pain in the ass. Uh, I think I've been lucky enough where 
I think every team I've played on, I've just really liked everybody I've played with. I haven't really had anything bad to say about anybody. Uh, certainly not anybody who's a pain in the ass. Um, like I said, on that Ohio State team alone, I've been to half of their weddings. <laughs> They're just, I don't know, good guys. Nothing really to, <laughs> again, no real tea to spill. Fair enough. Um, man, he's he's had some... <laughs> Said some zingers with his questions. Uh, I, I think a couple I've just like bust out laughing, even trying to read the thing. But uh, oh, Felix, um, I don't know if you saw a thread, but Sam says uh, Felix go away, and then um, Felix says I think we've, we we have our answer for biggest pain in the ass. And then uh, <laughs> Sam posted, Sam Hutter Sam Hutter, <laughs> who I was, oh, she's great. Who I was trolling the other day, um, and then she's she posted a photo of um i can't read it, it's too blurry but the team that she was on so i don't know if you're in here but uh yeah i, I love when Penn state i think so uh purple are they like blue and white jerseys yes yeah Kent state gotcha uh hello and that was a that was a fun team yeah she's center posing just being all sam <laughs> Um, speaking of pain in the ass, uh, Kyle Warren, why am I your favorite teammate? Uh, great guy. He's a, he's a good, he's a good team dad, I suppose. <laughs> Scott will be joining him soon. I think in October, uh, with that title, but, uh, yeah, he's a solid dude. Good guy. I, I've, uh, I've been real happy, real excited to, to get to know him better. Um, over the course of the past few tournaments, solid guy. Uh, nothing else, certainly nothing bad to say beyond that. Again, I, I don't really have anything, uh, negative to say about anybody. Yeah. I have, uh, the worst thing I have to say about Kyle, and this is no joke is the Austin 2019 nationals. Um, I was just having the worst time in my life and I was just playing like absolute garbage and a ball, uh, rolled into his area that he was refing. And it was caught in the net and I was like trying to get it frantically before I got murdered. And, uh, yeah, you know, doing the responsible, mature thing to do, blamed him like, dude, help me out. Like, give me, can you give me the freaking ball? And in my mind, I was like a complete a-hole, but, and maybe Kyle can come on and, and, and correct it or say it as it was, but I was just very, very curt to him. And I was just like, man, I picked the wrong person to do that too. Cause he actually ended up being a really cool guy. I, I apologized to him later and it's like, I could not have picked a worse person to be a dick to. So yeah, he's a solid dude. Yep. Uh, speaking of a-holes, uh, Sean Anderson, have you gotten used to elevation yet? <laughs> like the elevation? The elevation. Yeah, actually. Um, I mean, that kind of goes to the point about running Yep. Uh, every day. Yeah, luckily I have. It, it did take me a while. I mean, I definitely remember, boy, the first few months of trying to run here. I remember going out for like a mile run and just dying, just getting gas. I still... I still feel it when I go further into the mountains, like at 10,000 feet or so. Um, but here at, at 5,800, yeah, I, I feel pretty good, uh, luckily. And again, I, I do notice the difference when I go back down to sea level. Uh, you know, I, I went to I went and visited my, my sister out in New York City uh, back in November when her husband ran the uh, New York City Marathon. And I was still doing my running streak then. And I, I felt like I could run all day long. It was great. That's cool. So, so the elevation is, is fantastic. I, I highly recommend it for, for anybody. 
Do uh, quick sidebar those elevation masks that people wear? Do those help at all? Have you ever tried those? Would you even I have know it, how to no. compare it to? I mean, I, I get the the idea behind it. Um, they're meant to, I think, try to help with your VO two max and and really help you with um, training under more strenuous conditions. So I can see that, and I have done quite a few runs with a mask on. It's actually necessary when you're running at like negative 12 degrees. Um, <laughs> so your face doesn't freeze off. Um, but I've, I've actually never like trained hard with one of those on, like done sprints or anything like that. So I, I, I wouldn't really actually know to what extent they really help. I've, I've considered it, but I've never wanted to be like that guy in the gym. Like, it's like, oh boy. Yeah. That, that guy's a tool. Some weird things. I guess it's not as weird nowadays to see somebody wearing those. That's true. But, uh, yeah. Prior to 2020, uh, it was definitely weird. Like that guy's a little too intense for me. That sort of <laughs> appearance. Like, Calm down, dude. Yep. Right. Exactly. Um, man, I, I don't know why I'm spazzing all of a sudden. Is it Kim or Kim? Kim. Kim. Kim Wen. Kim Wen. So he yeah. asked, are you okay with being the go-to person for an injury? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the great thing about this community is, like I said, there's so many people with such varied, they're from such varied walks of life. Everybody has their own thing that they do, that, that their, their own talent, that, that, you know, their own area of expertise. And so for me, I've always wanted to help the community as a whole. And I've always wanted to help uh, just in any way that I could, whether it's a small thing or, or large, larger um, area. But for me, you know, having the knowledge, having the expertise and being able to help people, that's a big reason why I went into medicine in the first place is, you know, to help people. That's the most cliche reason to go into medicine. Yes. But at the bottom, at the end of the day, it's still a, it's still a good reason. And for me, if people are injured, if people need assistance, if people need just somebody to help talk them through something, I'll absolutely be there to help because um, if I can help even in a little way, then I will. And a lot of times that's what it is. You know, a lot of times with certain injuries, people just don't know. They don't have the expertise. They, it's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknowns. And just having sort of a reassuring voice telling you what's helping you with what's going on. Where do you go from here? What do you do? Should I go to the ER? Should I do this? Should I do that? It's, it, I, I just like being there, being available for people. So absolutely. If there's ever an issue, if I'm at a tournament, come find me. If somebody needs attention, come find me. I'll, I'll, I'll be there to help. And sometimes it can be life-saving. You know, uh, my old teammate, Eduardo, he he was not feeling well at one of the rounds. He was feeling like he had a lot of indigestion. Um, he was extremely hot in the gym. So someone told him, oh, go, go sit outside, go find Alfred. So I talked to him, went into doctor mode, sort of worked him up and realized this kind of looks like you're having a, a heart attack. Oh man. So let's go to the hospital. If not for you, for me, let me take you to the hospital. I took him and sure enough, I had to take him to emergency surgery right then and there. 
And wow. the, it's the funny thing about that too, is the, the surgeon afterwards, he came and talked to me and he, he was saying, you know, if you brought him in a little sooner, you probably would have been, you would have done a little bit better. I'm like, come on, man. I, I'm in a, I'm in a different state here. Like, what do you want from me? I brought him in. So <laughs> luckily he's doing well, nice. he's, he's, he's healthy, but you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather someone come to me with nothing, have it be nothing, at least have them get peace of mind and reassured than for them to have a serious injury and then just ignore it and think, oh, I don't want to waste his time or bother him. You're not going to bother me. You're not going to waste my time. At the end of the day, uh, if if you need attention, come find me. I'll, I'll at least take a look and do what I, I'm able to help. Awesome. That's awesome, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I, um, for what it's worth, I, I, I appreciate that. Like you definitely have something you can offer the dodgeball community and for you to be that selfless. And just like you said, I'd rather it be nothing than, you know, something that's huge. Um, I don't know if it's selfless, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> saying that. Um, let's see. Brian Baker asks, by the end of 2023, Elevation will be atop what team on the West Coast? Top three, top five. He kind of like fill in the blank. Well, I mean, technically, I think we got third place in No Sting at round two. So we're already doing pretty well, nice. <laughs> I suppose. Um, obviously, the goal is always to be top. Um, I think we have a lot of young raw talent that still has a lot of room to grow we've been getting a lot more experience i think each tournament we've attended we've improved significantly so i'm very excited for this team um everybody's really hungry to play to improve to win so I, i'm very excited I, I certainly don't want to say anything um with any sort of arrogance but i am very much hoping that this team could be a top top tier team top two top three team anywhere in the country ideally nice and that's the answer you want to give to like oh you know i kind of want to be like you know last place or <laughs> fair enough uh i don't know how much i'll be able to contribute to that whether it's more from a support coaching stance or as an actual player i don't know well that's to be determined uh but yeah, obviously we always want to strive to be the best. And again, I, th I think we have the talent. We just have to sort of put everything together. Nice. That about wraps it up for the crowdsource questions. Again, thanks everyone for, for submitting those. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of the interview, but um, let's go into, I guess, like, you know, the, the tail end of the, of the interview and um, not, not to seem judgy or, or put anybody on the spot, but is there anything in the dodgeball community now that you would like to see improved or, or done. Um, and I really think you probably have a really good perspective having been, having played so long with, with pretty much every entity out there. So if there's one thing you'd like to see changed, what would it be? So for me, it's, this is a real tough one is that there's needs to be sort of a general consensus on what the future of competitive sort of dodgeball that we're looking to get into the Olympics, that sort of thing needs to be. It's difficult because of how much flux there is with 
cloth and euro coming to WDBF with their own set of roles. And then of course there's in the collegiate scene, the Midwest and the East coast, there's pinch and the NCDA and coming to consensus about specifically what ball type is going to be the future of dodgeball or what ball types. And then by proxy, what set of roles are going to be the future that I believe is one of the first major, major hurdles that we need to overcome. And then from there, deciphering what rule sets to use. Now, to me, the most important thing is being able to justify a rule. To me, a good rule versus a bad rule is one that you can clearly justify. So for me, an extraneous rule or a bad rule is sort of one that is either held over from some previous rule set for whatever reason, or doesn't quite make sense in today's style of like quote unquote modern dodgeball, or at least where it is today. Right. And so for me, a lot of these sort of archaic or outdated rules need to be expunged. They need to be uh, done away with entirely. Oh, for instance, there shouldn't, there really shouldn't be a ball in the middle on an opening rush that's being contested in this day and age. That's just asking for some sort of collision, some sort of injury. There's, there's no need for that in my mind, but it is what it is. You know, that's a very staple role in Europe in, in cloth. And I don't think we're going to see that disappear anytime soon, but we'll see. But ultimately, like I said, the, the main thing for me is finding rules that make sense, being able to justify the rules, and then of course, being able to explain them clearly. Uh, rules to, to me, in order for dodgeball to be taken seriously and at that higher level, a casual observer needs to be able to watch a match and understand pretty much fully 98% of what's going on. Right. If you have these ridiculous convoluted rules that have to be explained, you know, it takes 10 minutes to explain it to somebody, they're going they're not going to care. They're going to lose interest. They're just going to not care. They're probably not going to take it seriously. And so that to me is sort of the the basic thing that we need to to get is certainly rule sets that just make sense and that can be easily understood at the end of the day. Yeah, that's more than fair. I mean, especially with people's attention spans being reduced to zero now, like, because <laughs> I've, I've done that. Like we've, we've done charity tournaments for, you know, sorority fraternities and you've got 90 teams. You don't have time to bust out the 22 page rule book. It's right. Exactly. You're going to have their attention for this much, maybe 30 yeah. seconds. And if it's not hit somebody, you're out, catch, you're out. That's it. Like it's gotta be, simplified to uh yeah just it just has to be boiled down um you did mention this and i, I was saving it for this piece um i don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it but you know you're talking about like how we're moving into cloth as i understand there's a lot of countries that play cloth we're kind of like the slow like just like us not wanting to lose the imperial system like we eventually got to get with the rest of the world um wda wdbf 
consolidation, like, do you feel like us adopting cloth? When I say us, I mean, uh, USA dodgeball and WDBF. Do you think that's helping steer in that direction? Or do you feel like there's still a pull between these two factions? It's tough because I, I, again, I, I, I don't know how biased I am or, or how, if I'm in the majority or the minority on this, but I, I, I've sort of always thought that WDBF has had a solid rule set that works and that makes sense. And for me, it doesn't make really much sense at all to make any major changes. So it is kind of tough to bring over uh, cloth typically with the EU rules or EDF rules, sorry. Um, and I think there might be even some slight differences between different countries that play cloth. So that's difficult because of how, just how different those rules are from, from the WDBF rules. And to me, it, it's just a lot of the rules don't really make sense. A lot of them I think are kind of going a step backwards. Hmm. So again, that's just my opinion. I, again, to me, a rule needs to have clear reasoning and justification and, and need to make sense and be able to be explained clearly for it to be a good rule. So uh, it, it's definitely, there's definitely going to be growing pains with the sort of the mixture of the, the cloth and the, the foam in WDBF and, and where we go from here, but that, that'll, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll find out in August next month. More End of August, yep. beginning of September, yeah. Uh, one thing I realized, I think I was talking to Whitney about it, was uh, there's always growing pains, but we're still here looking back, thinking this is the best it's ever been, so um, time will tell. Um, kind of like a uh, an add-on to that question initially, uh, where, where do you think dodgeball will go? You know, if you, if you had to guess based off your opinion, based off of what you've seen in, over the last almost 20 years. Um, just give us like a quick five years from now. Where, where do you see dodgeball realistically? Yeah. And I'm, I'm extremely biased, obviously as a player, <laughs> someone right. who's been with it for so long and even kind of stay, taking a step back on that question to see how far it's come in the last 20 years is, is phenomenal. It's so exciting to see just how much it's grown from a small, you know, thing, rec league intramural thing, uh, social league to being this real international serious sport is it, fantastic. So for me, I, I don't see any reason why it can't be in the Olympics, why it can't be on the actual big major stage. To me, it's a sport that, again, uh, there's a lot of bias here, but I see some other sports on the Olympics. And to me, I think this is unwatchable. This is terrible. Like I love skateboarding. I love watching skateboarding, but the skate park competition in the Olympics was atrocious. I mean, these guys couldn't land a, a trick in that particular competition to save their life. And all the commentators could do is talk about, Oh, this guy's Mr. Clutch. All he does is win competitions. He didn't stick a single jump or land a single trick. So it's, it's just, it, if they're not landing the tricks, it's not entertaining. It doesn't um, translate to the casual viewer. 
Whereas to me, you know, dodgeball is so exciting. It's such a high octane, high fast paced game that even the casual viewer, you know, if you're throwing heat, if you're throwing say a foam ball, 75 miles an hour plus with movement and you're, you know, say you're taking one of Ketchum's corner to corner kills or any of these super athletic dodges, the average person is going to see that and, and be excited by it. You know, if it's yeah. a sport that they can watch and say, Oh no, not for me. I, there's no way I could move my body like that or, or do anything like that. Um, it's an exciting thing to watch. So to me, I, I think it can certainly get on the big stage, get to the Olympics and be seen as a, a very serious major sport. Well, not major as, as far as like baseball, basketball, but, but, you know, a very serious sport on that, on that level. For sure. I always thought like maybe being like an extreme sport. And I remember like one time watching 2009, 2009, they were showing the 2007 yo-yo Olympics on ESPN two. And granted it was like midnight, but I was like, how, like, how is this happening that people are watching freaking yo-yo competitions and no offense anyway that, you know, takes yo-yo seriously, but, uh, you can't go to any tournament and have onlookers like they're always stopping. They're always like doing that second take and you always see people cheering. They don't know what they're cheering, but you always see like the oohs and ahs, like over the course of the last 18 years I've been playing very rarely do people that are spectating not get excited. So there is obviously very much something there. It's just, how's it, you know, the typical questions, how's it marketed? How's it shown people? How's it um, simplified? Like you said, and, but it's, it's definitely, I feel it's always got the, the potential, but um, we could probably go into another half hour about that one. <laughs> but um, I mean, for me, despite having just kind of shot on skateboarding the Olympics, I don't, <laughs> I don't ever want to talk down or belittle anyone's interest. You know, if it's an interest to you, more power to you. I don't want to be the one who says, oh, that's dumb. Right. Uh, even if I don't do it. Um, but I honestly think with the athleticism of dodgeball, you know, it, there's no reason why handball can't be in the, is in the Olympics, whereas dodgeball can't be, you know, it's, it's the same level of athleticism as handball as it, it's certainly more athleticism than equestrian. Sorry. I don't mean to be shooting on other sports again, but you know, there, there's, there's so much to it that I, I just, there's no reason to me that it can't be at that level at, at, the, at the top level. Yep. Agreed. And yeah, at the, at the risk of crapping out of the sports, we'll, we'll move on. Um, do you have a career highlight to date? What is it? I think 2005, 2006 nationals at Ohio state was one of the first big things we ever won for me as a young, I guess, 20, some year old, 21 year old, 22 year old. That was, that was super exciting for me. Um, it was, it was definitely an exciting match. We were down two to one going into the half against GVSU and we pulled it out a three, two win, I think. So that was a very exciting time for me, uh, especially at the time that was the only dodgeball I knew. So that's probably one of the big highlights for me. Um, since then, every 
tournament that we've had and even even marginal success has has been exciting for me you know playing with arkham was a was a fantastic treat you know i love those guys wonderful team you know we we had really good success pretty consistently when i was with them in the east made good showings at nationals placing ninth in uh, new orleans and then seventh in uh in boston in 8.5 so you know we, we we did pretty well not uh not top three but you know still had a, had a lot of success and and those were certainly some major highlights for me um but yeah it's always been some tournament like that that's uh that's really sparked that uh that enjoyment that uh those 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 fond memories nice and you still wouldn't pick that team to bail you out of the uh, deserted island scenario. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Felix. Um, is there anything that you have yet or want to achieve in dodgeball? I mean, obviously, winning is great. Taking yeah, winning's always great. Obviously, you know that that's always a big thing. Uh, I am very excited, like I said, to see how elevation does, how it grow, continues to grow and, and see to what level we could, uh, how high we can get, uh, no pun intended, but I, so <laughs> yeah, to me at this point, um, I, as sort of, as one of the older people in the community at this point, um, I am happy to start taking not so much a backseat, but almost like a in the background sort of role, right. um, whether it's helping form teams, whether it's helping newer teams grow, whether it's uh, coaching or helping out with running um, things. That's sort of um, sort of what I'd like to help out with nowadays, uh, whether that's necessarily a big goal of mine to achieve. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the correct term, but um, certainly that, that seems to be where, uh, I'm sort of heading nowadays. Gotcha. So just more of a positive impact and, and growth and still staying close to it, not just walking away when you're done. Yeah. And I, I, I don't see myself being able to just drop this sport cold turkey, just walk away. Uh, I certainly would love to continue being a part of the community well after I'm quote unquote retired. Uh, and I'd certainly like to continue helping out with the growth of the community and, and, and the sport and helping in whatever way I'm able. Gotcha. That kind of ties into the last question that is, you know, what is life like after dodgeball? Um, and since you kind of, kind of answered that, I don't know if you want to expand upon that one or if you maybe want to focus on sport wise, like, cause you got to stay active, I'm sure. So I, I don't know if I want to know what life is like officially after dodgeball right. <laughs> um you know i i see people who are playing well into their 40s and i know i'm sort of fast approaching that but uh yeah i, I certainly don't want to think too hard about that T to me yeah i i suppose i i still i mean i i've i've met so many people i've made so many great relationships through dodgeball through the community i've had so many wonderful memories and, and thoughts and, and it's just been such a major part of my life at this point half of my life literally and so 
to me, uh, I, I owe so much to the sport that I, I would love to continue, you know, like I said, well after quote unquote retiring, just giving back to the sport, helping it grow in whatever manner I'm able and kind of just going from there. Gotcha. That's uh, that's how I feel, man. Just got to stay close in some, some fashion because for whatever reason hooked and remain hooked. Um, completely. Yep. Um, that's pretty much all I have, man. Um, definitely want to maybe write down cause I've, I've been taking notes throughout the interview and there's some things I wanted to maybe revisit down the road later on the season. Um, sure. cause like we we're kind of talking during that break, um, uh, and you talk dodgeball for, for hours upon hours. And there's some things I was like, oh, I got to hold on to that one cause this will be a, a three hour podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I guess wrapping up, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but are there any shout outs that you want to give or any last, la- I'll say last words you want to leave us with, but, uh, yeah, anything you want to end this with? You know, there's, there's just too many people specifically. I could shout out everybody I've ever played with, uh, everybody I've ever had a conversation with anyone who's ever been welcoming or, uh, kind to me in the community. Uh, you know, they've everyone in any of those situations have always helped um, amplify the the sport to me. I've always helped just really make the sport feel like home to me. And so I, I, I just, I really can't stress how much I love the community and, and all the people in it. Um, and of course, for the people who are running things behind the scenes, helping make it happen, there's so much that we as players don't know about that's going on in the background that we might get frustrated about because, you know, we don't understand how much is actually being done. And we think, ah, they're just wasting their time doing nothing. And, um, just in order to have these tournaments happen regularly and have this dodgeball provided to us, it's just been such a treat to be able to play consistently and have the luxury of saying, oh, no, I'm not going to go to that tournament. I'm going to go to this one, but maybe not that one either. Uh, having that luxury is just is such a treat. Um, so all the people that are, are, are helping run things, it's just, it's just, you know, can't thank them enough either. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, you just made me realize that too. I'm like, I remember there was a time where like, it's this tournament or nothing. Like we must go to this one because <laughs> right? there won't be exactly. another one. Yeah. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. And I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and end the interview here. So I remember playing dodgeball or medic at the time back in 2004 um, at the University of Arizona Integrated Learning Center and just having the absolute time of my life. And um, I always thought that what we were doing was unique in the sense that nobody else was was playing dodgeball like we were, if, if playing dodgeball at all. And it is so cool when I get to talk to people like Alfred and learn and and hear them account how how they started and knowing that maybe you know a couple states away during that same time period or that same night uh, people were doing the same thing and um, it just goes to show that uh, we have so many things in common um, as dodgeball players playing this really unique um, I don't know if it's fair to say obscure anymore nowadays, but the sport that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hit or miss with a lot of people. Um, 
some people will play for the first time and they'll stick with it for half their lives. And some people will, will just play a, a tournament here and there. And some will just, uh, you know, not say it's, it's not for them, but, uh, being able to connect with people like this, um, I, I, this is one of the best things about the podcast is just understanding and learning more about the person, um, you know, behind the player and, um, Alfred, I really appreciate you, uh, being willing to spend a couple hours of your, of your evening with me, especially, uh, knowing how busy you are on the uh, professional side and, uh, really appreciate all the questions. Again, I love when I see the interaction between <laughs> who's asking the question, Felix, and who's uh, coming in to, to troll them, Sam, but, um, man, what, what another reminder of why I do this. And, um, We'll just leave it at that. So with everyone that's still there, if you're still listening to me ramble on, uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, enabling this old man to do what he loves best, and that's talk dodgeball. Um, Have a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next time.